You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. So why is it that we need rest? Uh, if you're working all the time, you get run down, you lose your energy, you can't keep up with everything else. Um, you can do it for short periods of time, but then it's just not the same. Like you're not the same as a person, your body's not the same physically, your mind isn't alert. To remain sane, mm-hmm. to you know have time with our own thoughts and our feelings. To work again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just, just, just to make your life uh, where you, where you got, you can, you can work. You know, you got to rest up to be able to work. Reset your body so you can think straight and you're not gonna drop on your feet. But at the same time, like too much rest can do the same thing to you. you. Gotta repair your body to go back out and do whatever you're doing again. Um, so tell me, why is rest important? Well, if you don't rest, I mean, how grouchy are you? <laughs> you know, can't work all the time. Uh, you know, you gotta work your body. You gotta rest your mind. You have to, you know. To be round, you have to work and rest and have a little bit of everything. So we could go to work rested and have the bills paid. It's good to be able to decompress, to unwind, to be able to, uh, to process more fully what you've experienced, you know, either through that day or that week, that month, or that year if it's been that long. Why rest? When I was a little boy, a drama that played out before me every Sunday morning. On the one side of the street was Mr. Fix, Mr. and Mrs. Fix. Merlin and Marcella, but, but for our sakes today, they're Mr. and Mrs. Fix. And Mr. Fix was a, he was a dairy farmer. He had cows and he'd wake up early every Sunday morning and he'd go and he'd do chores, do his chores. He'd milk his cows. And then after he was done milking the cows, he would go on to the other things that he had to do that day or that, that were before him. Typically, it was something else on the farm. Remember, especially in the summertime when the alfalfa was cut. And I don't know if, if you've ever smelled alfalfa cut in the, in the summertime, but there's a sweet smell to it. And it's one of those smells that whenever I, <clears throat> I, I come across it, it takes me back to those early days of my life. It's like, it's like taking me back into a time warp. But when the alfalfa was cut, and it was ready to make. It didn't matter what day it was. Mr. Fix always went and he made hay. That was the drama on one side of the street. On our side of the street, there was my dad who was a farmer too. And like Mr. Fix, he was a good worker and he cared about animals that, he, that we had. But after he had done the morning chores, he came in on Sunday morning and, and all of us, we got ready and we went to church. And then after church, we'd have family time. And after, that family time could include things like swimming with our cousins, or it could include playing baseball in the backyard, include all kinds of different things, but it was simply very different from every other day of the week. And then we'd go to church again that night, and we'd come back home and have things like popcorn and ice cream, you know, uh, finish the day off right. And one time when I was really young, I looked at my dad and I said, Dad, I said, why is it that you don't work all day Sunday My dad looked at me and he said, well, son, he said, the Lord made the earth in six days and on the seventh he rested. 
And so on the seventh day, we're going to rest. And that's the way it was. I loved some of the comments that we saw in the videos uh, this morning. Um, other Springfieldians, when they're asked the question, why rest? They've got some great answers, don't they? Some of those things just, just pop. You can resonate with them. Why do you rest? Because if you work all the time, you get run down. So rest is one of those things that you need. Uh, you need rest to remain sane. You need rest to be able to work again. Um, you need to rest your body so you can think straight. And, and the last one, I would love KJ if he could imitate it. The, the, uh, and he, KJ does a pretty good imitation job. He's not here. Uh, but the lady who said, well, you rest because you get grouchy if you don't. You know, you've got to rest to avoid the grumps. Um, resting is important. All those are great things. And what my dad said to me as a young boy was a, was a great comment too. And these are all comments that Scripture in some way points to. And yet Scripture also has a bigger story, a fuller story, about why resting is important to God and resting is important to us. And, and it has a fuller answer to the question, why rest? If you've got your Bible or if you've got a Bible app, if you want to turn to the opening pages of Genesis, Genesis 2 is where we're going to start our time together today with reading this text. And Genesis 2, verse 2, goes something like this. And this is in the message translation. By the seventh day, and this is in the first story of creation, by the seventh day, God had finished his work. And on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day. He made it a holy day because on that day, he rested from his work, all of the work that he had been doing as a creating God. One of the things that we see in this text, and if you um, use a different translation, it will pop out just a little bit brighter to you, is, is the reality that when God came to the sixth day, he said it's good and it's, and it's finished. And so the seventh day is a day when God says, it's finished and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a rest day to really enjoy the work that I've been doing, to look back and see what it looks like and to, to just be enamored with it. I am going to enjoy the, the product that's there. Now, certainly, all of Scripture gives us a, a presentation of God that God doesn't just, you know, come to the final day of creation and then he says it's good and he just lets the, the earth and creation go off on its own. No, God stays actively involved. There's still work for God to do. And yet in that moment, God sees that there's a completion phase. This is done in this moment. And he just rests. He enjoys it. Um, I came across a picture this last week thinking about projects and how projects engage us and, and uh, how we may go through a, a life cycle of a project. You ever been asked to do a project and you get really excited about it? You know, um, there's all kinds of a great idea and somebody's, somebody, they point it out to you. And then you start working on the idea and then you start going down this emotional ladder, right? Like, cause you get down into the real hard work of it. And then you get down the bottom. I don't know if you can see this. If you can't see it here, hopefully it's in the, in the app. You get down to the bottom and it's called the dark night of the soul. It's like, is this thing ever gonna be over this project? And then you start coming up on the other side of it. And the last line there says, it's done. 
and it sucks. But it's, it's not as bad as I thought. It's done. Um, now, I don't think God has the same arc of a project like, like what we may experience from time to time. But God gets to the end of creation and he says, this is done in such a way that I'm just going to step back and I'm going to rest. And I'm going to behold all that has, that has taken place. And I'm going to look at it and enjoy it. As I was thinking about our time together today, I am. Number of articles on rest and, and vacation to take some time off. And I came across an article that talked about the, a number of things that people do as they get ready to go on vacation that makes their vacation really restful. It, it was titled something about like successful things people do before they go on vacation. And, and here's some of the list, a partial list of what they discovered. They touch base with their customers and coworkers one last time before they depart. It's like trying to finish up all the loose ends, right? They, uh, they leave all the serious matters that have been on their desk with a, with a sense of decision being made. Like they don't leave serious things hanging as they go away. They set boundaries about how frequently they're going to communicate with other people. Um, forward to going away tomorrow. And one of the things I've said that I'm going to do or not do is I'm not going to check my email while I'm away. And I'm not going to, you know, if people text me, happy day, but I'm not going to respond. It's like um, the world is, is there and it's, and it's going to continue going. But they set communication boundaries. We've even talked to our family like, what are we going to do about all the places we have? What's our own communication barrier going to be with our family? And we've, we've started that conversation. We've got to nail it down today because we want to be ready for when we go. And finally, they, they close out projects. They finish things. You see, when you walk away with things that are finished, there's a weight that's off your back. And, and we see that in the, in the very nature of God, right? He says it's finished. And there's a sense of joy. There's a sense of, of gratitude. There's a sense of just rest with him, with God. Now, there's a, another piece of film that somebody brought to my attention this week that is probably the wrong way to approach resting. It's, it's a way in which somebody doesn't really work very well and, and they don't work hard and they oftentimes don't rest. Let's take a look at that. Would you walk us through a typical day for you? Yeah. Great. Well, I generally come in at least 15 minutes late. Uh, I use the side door. That way lumber can't see me. <laughs> and uh, after that, I just sort of space out for about an hour. Tell hey. Space out? Yeah. I just stare at my desk. But it looks like I'm working. I do that for uh, probably another hour after lunch, too. I'd say in a given week, I probably only do about 15 minutes of real, actual work. Uh, Peter, would you be a good sport and indulge us and just tell us a little more? Oh, yeah. Let me tell you something about TPS reports. <laughs> There's somebody he doesn't get a lot of enjoyment out of their work and a lot of enjoyment out of the rest because he doesn't do either one very well. 
See, one of the things we find in God is that God is somebody who works and then he rests and he enjoys both. It's okay. There's something else we find about God when we read through that text. Not only does he rest, but the writer tells us that God does something to the seventh day. He makes it holy. He sanctifies it. He sets it apart. About a month ago, I was, I was in the country of Israel. I was there on two different Friday afternoons and discovered that Friday afternoon is a very serious time in the Holy Land because they are getting ready for the holy day, the next day, the, the Sabbath. Actually, the Sabbath always starts Friday evening because the new day begins when the sun goes down. And so Friday afternoon is, is like a bevy of activity to shut everything down. On the last Friday afternoon I was there, Soren, a, a friend of mine from R Romania, he and I, we went out for a walk and we went to this gathering place within the city of Jerusalem where there's a lot of shops and everything like that. And we encountered a, uh, an eatery with a sign that was similar to this. I didn't take a picture of it. I, I wish I would have. But this eatery was open 24-6. You know, used to the saying 24-7, but this eatery was open 24-6. I was thinking about this. This is actually a business in, I think, Wisconsin. Uh, it's a 24-7 service. They're fast, they're friendly, just don't call them on the seventh day because they're not going to reply. They're ready six days a week, but the seventh is different. The seventh day is set aside. It's got a different reality. It's got a, it's got a different calling to it. It's meant to be a day of rest. It's, it's set aside, in fact, as a gift. I was, as I was watching all of this bevy within Israel, of people getting ready to slow down, they really took it seriously, not just as a command, but as a gift to God, uh, as a gift from God to them to enter into a different modality of life. And it, interestingly enough, it was a gift that was meant for everybody and everything. Um, later on the night of, of a Friday night, that last night when I saw that sign, we would make our way to Tel Aviv and to the airport. As we walked into the airport, one of the, one of the uh, airlines that flies into and out of Tel Aviv is called El Al. And if you've ever been to uh, Israel, you may have flown El Al. And we walked by the El Al desk and the lights were out. Nobody was flying El Al. The planes were down. Nobody was flying. In fact, not only is the seventh day supposed to be a day of rest to the people, but it's supposed to be a rest to everything and everybody. The lights, the planes, the machines, that's how they understood it. I was intrigued by that because, you know, we, we live in a culture where we like the 24-7. In fact, last week when Pastor Bob was talking about the necessity of work, one of the great uh, ironies of our own time, of our own culture, is that many of us, many of us don't have to be encouraged to be about the business of work. Many of us struggle with the idea that we are addicted to work, with that reality that we can't ever unplug, we can't ever pull away, we can't ever on a frequency with some sense of rhythm 
where we are doing something very different. Came across this stat. In 2016, 622 million days of vacation were left unused. One of the guys on our team did the math. He said, that's like 2 million years worth of vacation that went unused. And why is that the case? Because we are a people who are driven. We are a people that like, we've got we've to do things. And there are things out on our front, on our front um, lawn that, that we've, we've got to attend to. At least we think we do. And so we run after things really hard and we work hard. And then we come to a place where we're tired, we're worn out, we are worn slick. And then it's like, okay, I've got a, I've got a break here. And we do that f- for a little bit of time. Um, Pastor Jim shared with me a, a chapter out of a book this past week. And in one of those chapters, there's a, there's a diagram where it describes a lot of the life cycle that many of us live in, where we're driven and we're longing for achievement. And yet when we get to the place where we begin to get burned out, then we look for a place of escape. And oftentimes we look for a mind numbing escape, right? We don't even find something that fills us up or that that speaks to us. We just want to unplug our brain for a little bit. And so we'll sit and we'll watch hours and hours of, of Netflix, one right after another. But at the end of it, we're not necessarily rested. We've just been doing something different. But we're not rejuvenated. And the gift that God has in mind, the gift that God has in mind is a different kind of cycle, a different rhythm of grace, if you will. It's a cycle that looks like this, where work or your vocation or ministry is something that you do, and then you come into another cycle where there's a Sabbath, where work and rest are both given to us as gifts of, of grace, callings that, that we bear. I have to admit that I wished that last picture was the cycle that I could point to and say that I'm always in, but I'm not. The other cycle, the Sabbath of anxiety from time to time, is the place where I live and the place where um, I struggle with. I think back into my early days and I find that life is more than just busy. Life is just full with all kinds of things. And I look across the road in my own mind's eye and I see Mr. Fix. And then I begin to look at what I'm doing and I begin to say, how is this comparing? The gospels bring to us Jesus. And Jesus knows that the father has a gift that he wants to give to the world, a gift of rest. And he knows that there are a lot of things that are before us. But Jesus time and time and time again speaks a word into the midst of his, of his disciples and he speaks a word into our lives where he says, you know what, friends, I see what you're doing and I know that many of you are after great and good and, and worthy endeavors. And yet I want to make an invitation to you. 
One of the places we see Jesus doing this is in Mark chapter 6. And here are these words. The apostles, after they had been out doing a number of, they'd been out preaching, they'd been healing, they'd been telling people about the kingdom of heaven. And they come back and they rendezvous with Jesus. And they begin to report all that they had been doing and what they had taught. And Jesus said, come off by yourselves. It's time for a break. It's time to get some rest. For there was constant coming and there was constant going. They didn't have time to eat. You ever been to that place? You've been so busy, you haven't had time to eat. They didn't have time to eat, so they got in the boat and they went off to a remote place by themselves. Someone saw them going and the word got around. From the surrounding towns, people went out on foot running and they got there ahead of them where they were headed. And when Jesus arrived and he saw the huge crowd, at the sight of them, his heart broke because they were like sheep with no shepherd. And so he went to work teaching them. And yet if we kept reading the scripture just a little bit, way, just a little bit more, we'd find that the writer says, after he taught them and he fed them, he sent them away. He says again to his disciples, enter into a time of rest. Because you've been in a place where life has been full, more than full, and it's been good because you've been working. But you have to enter also into a time of rest. As you think about <clears throat> that cycle of work and rest, I just wonder if you'd take a moment and reflect on your own life, your own, your own pattern, your own calendar. Have you got that sense of rest in the midst of all of the work that you're giving yourself to? Are you looking at rest as a gift that God calls you into, invites you to experience, invites you to enjoy? Or do you pack your days? Do you pack your days so tight that you just have little moments where you come up and you're like, I've got to get there to keep going. I've got to get there to keep going. See, God has something more in mind for us. A rhythm, a healthy rhythm that gives life to us. And where, when we're done at the end of the day with whatever our work is, we can say it's good and it's finished. And when we rest, we can get ready for the calling and, and the bearing of the responsibility that Jesus has for us. So this morning, I'd like to ask you, and I'd like to really ask myself, what's the invitation of Jesus to you and to me? Where does he invite us to go? How does he invite us to take a new step of rest? Maybe for you, it's, it's getting away. Maybe it's stepping aside from what you're doing. And maybe for you and for me, it's taking a look back at that rhythm that the Father sets in motion in the very acts of creation. To work hard and then to rest, really rest on a day of rest. Kind Father, you see us in the midst of our life, you know us. You know the things that we carry, you know the responsibilities that are before us. You know the ways in which we struggle to let things go, 
to trust others and to trust you. And you know how we, in fact, all struggle to be people at rest. This morning, would you help us hear an invitation, a renewed invitation to not only work hard, but to find a place and to find a day and to take up your gift of rest to us. Jesus, thank you for the way in which you display both work and rest. Help us find that present in our own life by the leading of your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, amen.